2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. I'd like to share with you this morning a sermon I've just uh, entitled, Continue in the Word. Continue in the Word. If you would, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we will look at uh, verses 14 through 17. God's Word says, But continue. Thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, some translations use the word infant, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Adrian Rogers once said, and I quote, You will never be any greater in your Christian life than you than your conviction concerning the Word of God. You will never be greater in your Christian life than your conviction concerning the Word of God. Recently, I made a statement at a funeral. The statement was this. What keeps me going is not how I feel, but what I know. And what I know is the Word of God. What I know for sure is the Word of God. The Bible is not a book of the month. The Bible is not a book of the year. But the Bible is the book of all ages. It has outreached, it has outranked, it has outlasted any other book known to man. There's no book like the Bible. Someone has said that we read the Bible and then the Bible reads us. Do you know that man only has three problems? Sin, sorrow, and death. And the Bible is the only book that addresses man's three problems. The Bible is the only book that addresses sin, sorrow, and death. You see, there's not a problem in the world that is not a subset of sin, sorrow, and death. There are different types of sin, there are different types of sorrow, and there are different types of death. There's only one book in the world that has the answer to those three problems, sin, sorrow, and death. And so because of that, we should be very grateful for the Bible this morning. Now, perhaps you're aware that there's a war going on against the Bible. We have some today that hate the Bible. They despise the Bible. So you have some that hate the Bible. Then you have some today that deny the Bible. Then you have some today that distort the Bible. 
They're the cults. They distort the word of God. Then you have some today that dissect the Bible. They just pick it apart piece by piece. They don't take it as a whole, but they'll take this or they'll take that. And they just pick it apart. But the greatest enemy of the Bible are those who call themselves Christians, perhaps even Baptists, and they disregard the Bible. They don't deny the Bible. They don't hate the Bible. They don't distort the Bible. They just disregard the Bible. They perhaps read it, but they disregard it. And for most, they really don't read it. Now, how many of you, without the showing of hands, how many of you believe everything that you read in a newspaper? Now, I don't believe everything that I read in a newspaper. And I'm sure that the majority of us, greatest majority, doesn't believe everything we read, they read in the paper. How many of you believe everything that you read in the Bible? Well, everybody, perhaps, here today believes, those that believe the Bible is God's Word, and it's infallible, it's inerrant. When you read it, then you believe everything, I believe everything that's in the Bible. However, we read the Bible, but we, uh, we read the newspaper, but for the most part, we disregard the Bible. Uh, I read the newspaper every morning. I'm quick to, to read the, well, read the obituaries first. And then I read the major headlines. And I'm quick to read the paper. And most of us are. But we disregard the Bible. The point is, you'll not be any bigger, you'll not be any better, you'll not be any stronger than you believe the Word of God. The Word of God is the most important book in the world, especially for the Christian. Therefore, the main idea of 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 is that every Christian is called to keep on learning and to keep on loving the Bible. Thus, we have vacation Bible school for our children this coming week. Very important. Now, we are to keep on learning. We're to keep on Loving the Bible. That's why Bible fellowship is very important. Some of you may not be enrolled in Sunday school. You need to be for one reason. One most important reason is that you come and study God's Word in small groups. And so Bible fellowship is important because the Bible is important for you, for your children. Discipleship is important. Vacation Bible school is important for our children because we're learning about the Bible. Now, Paul's life is about to come to an end here in 2 Timothy. He's speaking to, to, to young Timothy, and his life is about to come to an end, and he knows that Timothy has to continue this, this race, and he shares some last words with Timothy, and he considers Timothy his spiritual son. Now, notice what he says in verse 14. He says, But continue thou... In the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He says, listen, I have some last words, departing words for you. He says, listen, you need to continue, continue. 
Now, he, he, he didn't say, Timothy, I want you to get a good job. Timothy, I want you to make plenty of money. Timothy, I want you to work hard. But his last words to this young preacher, this young man, was to continue to what you've learned and what you have firmly believed in. Verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured. Some translations say what you've believed in knowing whom thou hast learned them. And so what did he learn? Look at verse 15. And that from a child thou hast learned the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now he had learned the holy scriptures. Now how did he learn the scriptures? His grandmother, his grandmother Lois, and his mother Eunice had taught him the holy scriptures from his childhood, from infancy. The point is, he'd been taught the Scripture from a child, from his grandmother, from his mother, and now from the Apostle Paul. And he is charged by Paul to keep on learning. So you never get too old to keep on learning the Bible. He says, Timothy, you need to continue. You need to keep on learning. So the big question we're confronted with this morning is, are you continuing to learn the Bible? Are you learning the Bible? Notice, if you will, verse 14, he uses that word, verse 14, continue, continue, continue in what you have been assured of, continue in what you firmly believe. So Timothy had been convinced he had firmly believed the Word of God. Continue trusting God's Word. Continue pressing on in God's Word. Continue pressing on, continue passing on God's Word as it was passed on to you. You need to continue to share God's Word with someone else. Continue in the Word. Now the question then comes, how do I continue? I'm going to list about three ways you continue in God's Word. First of all, if you're taking notes, first, continue in the Christ-centered Scripture. Very evident here. Continue in the Christ-centered Scripture. You see, when Paul refers to the Holy Scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament, the New Testament that had been written. So verse 14, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, has been assured of, nor in whom thou hast learned. He's referring to the Old Testament. The gospel Timothy heard was the biblical gospel that the prophets had shared and the apostles were sharing. He had heard the Old Testament. Paul addressed those scriptures he says, are able, Timothy, to give you wisdom for salvation through Jesus Christ. You say, well, Brother Sammy, you mean to tell me that you can be saved by using Old Testament scriptures? Sure you can. I mean, when Paul went to to various cities to preach, Paul, he didn't didn't pass out tracts, and he didn't share faith, and he he didn't share the four spiritual laws, and he didn't share the Roman road. He taught the Old Testament scriptures pointing people to Jesus. That's all he had, the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 says this, notice. 
verse 3 and 4, 1 Corinthians 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, Paul is saying, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and how he was buried, and how he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures. He's sharing the Old Testament about Jesus Christ dying and rising again according to the Scriptures, the Old Testament. The point is, the Scriptures was the Old Testament. Now, beware and know that there is a flow of redemptive history from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. The, the redemptive history didn't start in the New Testament. It began in the book of Genesis. And it goes all the way through the book of Revelation. There's a flow of redemptive history from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. So the Bible is Christian. It's, it's about Christ. The point is, God didn't make a mistake by giving us the whole Bible and not giving us just a pocket New Testament. The gospel is found all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. People say, well, when Christ came, that done away with the Old Testament. No, it didn't. The Old Testament is about Jesus Christ. The Old, Testament, the Old Testament anticipates Christ. The New Testament explains Christ. But he's from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. So Jesus is at the beginning, Jesus is at the middle, and Jesus is at the end of the Scripture. Therefore, the hero of the Bible is not Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The hero of the Bible is not Samson or Moses or David or Paul or some of the other disciples. The hero of the Bible is Jesus himself. That's why Paul said in Colossians 1.28, we proclaim or we preach Jesus. The whole preaching message is about Jesus. Therefore, continue in the Word. Continue in the Christ-centered Scripture. But secondly, continue in the God-breathed Scriptures. Look, if you will, at verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by inspiration. So this verse highlights the divine inspiration of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration by God. That word inspiration means breathed out by God. The book, the Bible, has been breathed out by God. That simply means, and here's a good definition of inspiration that I feel like, the Holy Spirit of God worked through biblical writers to pen God's Word entirely and exactly as He intended it to be. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit of God worked through biblical writers to pen God's Word entirely and exactly as He intended. Meaning that just as God spoke the universe into existence, He, he breathed the universe into existence. He breathed, He spoke it into existence. And just as He spoke the universe into existence, He spoke to holy men of God the word that he would have us to know. He breathed out his word in Scripture. So a better word for inspiration really would be expiration, and that he breathed it out. 
God breathed out his holy word. Therefore, the Bible really is a gift from God, breathed out from God. So Paul affirms total inspiration. If you notice that, look at verse 16. He says, all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture, the Old Testament, the New Testament. I mean, you can't pick and choose. You can't pick and choose doctrine. You can't pick and choose commandments. It's, it's all inspired by God. All are from the Spirit of God. All of it. The Bible. All of the Bible is from the Spirit of God. It, it's good, it's binding, and it's true. It's God's Word. Now, Paul describes how God revealed His Word. 2 Peter 1, verse 20, 21. Notice what he says here. 2 Peter. And how God revealed His Word. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of private, any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is Peter in the New Testament talking about the Old Testament Scripture that he's proclaiming, he's preaching. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 4, verse 4. He said, it is, is it, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The Scripture was inspired by God, breathed out of God's mouth. Matthew 24, verse 35. The Bible says this, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my my word will never pass away, never pass away, shall not pass away. And so be on the alert. God's word is inspired. God's word uh, is forever. God's word will last forever in every age. You're going to have the deniers, and you're going to have those that despise the word, and you're going to have those that, that dissect the word, and you're going to have those who disregard the word. However, we must continue loving the Word, believing the Word, because it is the God-breathed Word. It's inspired of God. So continue in the Word. Continue in the Christ-centered Word, verse 15. Continue in the God-breathed Scripture, in verse 16. And then continue, in verse 17, in, to in the total sufficiency of Scripture. Look at verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Continue in the Christ-centered Scripture. Continue in the God-breathed Scripture. Continue in the total sufficient Scripture. Now the question is, how many today say they believe in the inspired Word of God? Without showing your hand. We would say, well, I, I believe that. But here, here's the problem. People say they believe in the inspired word of God, but they deny their belief by their practice. You really believe this is God's word? Well, you say you do. Now, how does that belief and that testimony, I believe in the inspired word of God, how does, how does that agree with you practicing the word? 
If you really believe this is God's word, I believe our practice would be a little different. You know, don't just believe Scripture, but use Scripture. If you believe Scripture, use it. Because the Bible says it's profitable. You need to use it because it's profitable. First of all, it makes you wise unto salvation. It teaches you how to be saved. It's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for rebuking. It's profitable for correcting. It's profitable for training in righteousness. If you really believe it, then use it. The point is the Bible shapes our beliefs as well as it does our lifestyle. If you believe it, then practice it. So he addresses doctrinal truth. The Bible addresses doctrinal truth. The Bible addresses and rebukes ungodly behavior. The Bible corrects us when we stray from Christ-likeness. The Bible trains us in righteousness. So God's Word will meet our deepest need wherever we're hurting in our life. Transforms it from the inside out. People need to, they need God's word more than we just need to, to, uh, to make observations and, and suggestions. We need to practice God's word. You know, there are times that I'm called on to counsel individuals and to counsel couples. There are times that, that I'll just offer some practical suggestions and I'll counsel them in a very practical way and, and I'll read from... from uh, from contemporary writers and contemporary counselors. However, I make sure as a believer, as a preacher, as a pastor, that, uh, that I distinguish between good stuff that I read and God's stuff that's found in His Word. There's a big difference between good stuff and God's stuff. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Thoroughly furnished. One translation says equipped. Now we can't see it in English here, but in the Greek, Paul uses two words for the word equipped, an adjective and a participle. And the man of God is super equipped by the word of God. Think of that. The man of God is super equipped by the word of God. The point is the Holy Scriptures, the inspired Word of God equips all Christians. However, preachers and deacons and Sunday school teachers and leaders in the church pay real close attention to this because verse 17 says, the Bible grows us personally as we live by it. We're super equipped as leaders in the church, as pastors, primarily here mentioned. But the Bible grows us personally as we live in it. So the Bible super equips us as we seek to lead others to Christ and teach our classes and, and as we teach sound doctrine and as we counsel people and as we, as we seek to see the church grow. So it prepares us for every good work. So Paul is telling Timothy here, continue in a Christ-centered scripture, continue in a God-breathed scripture, continue in the total sufficient scripture. And that brings a question this morning. You and I as Christians, we should, we should have a solid conviction that the Bible is, is God's Word. Now, why is that? As a Christian, why should we say 
I know the Bible is God's word. Let me give you real four or five things real quick. First of all, our salvation depends on it. Your salvation is based on the gospel, and the gospel comes out of the word of God. That's why we should believe the word of God. My salvation is based on the gospel. The gospel comes from the word of God. You have something to give to someone who wants to believe. You know what you have? You have the, you have the word of God. They're to believe what? They're to believe the gospel. The Bible says, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to be saved, they need to hear the gospel. They got to have the word. So my salvation is based on the gospel. My growth as a Christian depends on the word of God. The Bible says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And so my, my growth is based on the gospel. My sanctification depends on the gospel. Sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. My sanctification growing in the Lord is based on the word of God. My assurance depends on the word of God. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. And so, friend, we have a solid, we must have a solid conviction that the Bible is the Word of God because my salvation is based on it, my growth is based on it, my sanctification is based on it, my assurance is based on it. And if it's not the Word of God, then I've got a serious issue. And I pray this morning that you see it as the Word of God. Let's bow our heads for a Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for an opportunity we've had just to open your word and help us to understand what all that entails when we say that. And Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, who centuries ago you saw a need to leave your word to us. And so, Lord, through the prophets of old, you gave us the inspired word of God. And Lord, through the years, and through the church years, through the, the, the years of the prophets and the early church and the years of the, the, the apostles, you have given us your word. And so we thank you, Lord, knowing that when we open this book, that it is the inspired word of God. And Lord, we know it's going to last forever. And we know the power that it has. And we know, Lord, before anybody is saved, and salvation comes into their heart and life, they must have heard this word. They must hear the gospel. And so we pray, Lord, that we'll realize the importance of the word of God and the importance of us knowing that it is the word of God. And help us, Lord, we pray, to read it more, study it more, not disregard it, Lord, that we would see far more important than a newspaper or anything else we might could pick up and read. And forgive me, Father, I pray, when I perhaps pick up the paper or read the paper before I read your word. Let me put your word above everything else, Lord, that, that I read, that I study, that I use, Lord, for my life. And Father, I pray now this morning, you've spoken to people that are here. And there may be someone here this morning who's never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. And I pray, Lord, today they'll realize that your word is truth. Nothing else, that your word is true. and Your word will come to pass. And your word teaches that a person is lost without you. But you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten son into the world, Lord, to die on a cross for their sins and for, for whoever shall call upon you, Lord, 
turn from their sin, turn to you, believe in their heart that you came and you died, you were buried and you rose again. One day you're coming back and you, you paid the supreme sacrifice for their sin. And if they would turn to you, turn from their sin, turn to you, trust you and nothing else, Lord, that you would save them and forgive them of their sins. Let that message come across this morning through your word. We thank you for what you're going to do. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.